ladies and gentlemen. It's about that time. It's time to crush your fantasy football league. Grab yourself a drink and get ready. Because it's time. It's time to get that Dynasty Buzz. Already a few drinks deep in the Roto Lounge tonight. So don't be offended. It's your host, Brad Starks. I told you. I told you. I told you that I'm not going to take any more victory laps. No more victory laps. I'm too tired for that. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I told you so about Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I plan to do this podcast and talk about break down some of his inefficiencies and in college around the goal line. And we're still going to do that. We're still going to do that. But I'm going to save it for the end of the episode. Right now, I'm making myself another drink. If you hear that ice mixing in my crystal mixing glass. Over the weekend, I got some blue cheese stuffed olives. For anyone that loves olives, loves blue cheese, loves blue cheese stuffed olives, then you can't deny a terrific, perfectly made dirty martini with a blue cheese or two stuffed olive. Now listen, martinis are not just for women, man. A good martini can go a long way. Hell, even James Bond drank martinis. You can't be much more of a man's man than James Bond, right? But I have concocted the very perfect dirty martini. And it is oh, oh, so delightful. And I'm gonna tell you how to make it. So when I make my martinis, there's a rule of thumb. If you use citrus, any type of juice like orange juice or lemon or lime, then you can shake your martini, okay? I know James Bond, I think he said he liked it uh, shake and not stirred, but if you're not using citrus, I noticed that the best way to make a martini is to stir it, stir it over ice for like 100 count. And this is how I make it. So I prefer uh, Grey Goose for my martinis. It just, I feel like uh, it's the smoothest, uh, when it's chilled, it, it's a very smooth vodka and it's not even as ex- expensive as it used to be. I think you can get it for, you know, 25 or $29 for a bottle. So you need some of that. You need some dry Dolan vermouth. Okay. Dolan vermouth is the best for a dirty martini. It's dry. You can find it at your liquor stores anywhere. Uh, you need olive brine. So any juice that you can get out of your olives container, there is an olive brine you can find uh, on Amazon. It's called Dirty Sue's, and it's a really salty. It's specifically made for dirty martinis, and, and uh, it's a salty brine. 
Uh, I, I currently don't have any, so I'm just using the brine out of these uh, blue cheese stuffed olives. But basically, what you do is you get yourself like a crystal mixing glass, get yourself a bar spoon. If you're going to make these cocktails for yourself or for someone else, you got to get the right tools. Don't use a solo cup at home. Uh, get the right tools. Get on Amazon. Get yourself a crystal mixing glass. They're like 20 bucks. Fill that with ice. Get your martini glass. You, you need to fill that with ice. Put some water in it. And what that's going to do is that's going to chill your martini glass while you're preparing uh, your martini. So put your ice water in your martini glass. Let it sit. In your crystal mixing glass, fill it with ice. Put in one and a quarter ounce of Grey Goose Vodka. Put in just a little bit over a splash of the dry vermouth. Less than a quarter ounce. Uh, just a little splash. Pour that in. And then a half ounce of brine. Okay. If you like it dirtier, if you like it more olivey, if that's even a word, add more. But I found that half an ounce is really good. Mix the three of those together. Stir it up, as you heard me stirring, for about 100 count. Uh, make it nice and cold. Dump out your water in your martini glass. Strain your martini over uh, the blue cheese stuffed olive garnish in the glass. And you have, my friends, the perfect dirty martini. Cheers. Oh, yes. This is how we do it in the Dynasty Buzz. And I'm probably going to piss some people off when I talk about Clyde Edwards-Alaire. But it, it is by no means I'm not sitting here and I'm not hating on Clyde Edwards-Alaire. The one thing you have to learn in fantasy football is you have to develop a process. You have to trust your process over your results and continue to work on your process. And when things confirm and go according to my process, it just makes sense. And I get very confident uh, in my projections, in my predictions, uh, and I make I make bold claims. I make bold statements. Um you know, I'm one of the only few people that that touted George Kittle as a 100% buy-in, uh, you know, and early as this year, touting Robbie Anderson. I mean, these things that are people are like, you don't know what you're talking about, and that's fine. They have their process. I have mine, okay? Uh, and I'm going to talk to you about Clyde Edwards a little later, but we'll get there. There's a few things that I want to talk about first in Dynasty. Um, first thing I want to talk about is the injury to Dak Prescott. If you have Dak on your dynasty teams, it was a brutal, brutal injury. According to reports, it's not as bad as initially thought. And I don't have my man, Dr. Chap, on this week. But as soon as I can get him on, we will talk about some injuries, including Dak's. Um, he's going to be a free agent after the season. Uh, there's already rumors that he could be targeted by the Colts. Uh, you don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I, I think... Andy Dalton's performance is going to determine um, what the Cowboys decide to do with Dak Prescott. Uh, and Dak Prescott, say what you want about Dak Prescott. I think he's a very efficient quarterback. I think he's very good quarterback. But I don't know if he's a franchise quarterback. Uh, and I don't mean to offend any Cowboy fans or any Dak fans because I was very high on Dak. Last year, if you listened to me last year, I said get Dak late last year he was going in like the 10th round and I was getting him in my leagues in the 10th round with Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray you know round seven eight nine ten uh, and I told you add these players they're going to help you win 
your dynasty leagues. And last year, Dak finished inside the top 10. Uh, and this year, the same thing. I was even drafting him in the fifth round. I was high on Dak Prescott. The Cowboys have a high-octane offense. Very good for fantasy football. But the Cowboys, they weren't getting wins. They weren't getting Ws. Um, and, and is that a result of Dak Prescott? I don't know. We're going to see what happens when Andy Dalton comes in. Uh, and I'm very optimistic about Andy Dalton. Uh, I, I talked in my ad drop episode about uh, in my Scott Fishbowl League what I was going to do uh, with Andy Dalton. And I went all in on Andy Dalton. I spent 92 of my 100 fab dollars left uh, on Andy Dalton because the way I look at it, in this league, in this format, Dak Prescott was a first-round pick in this draft, okay? Uh, the quarterbacks are scored based on completions, incompletions, interceptions, sacks, uh, you know, a lot of stats that you don't t- normally are are um, dinged for in other uh, formats. Uh, so quarterbacks, and, and it's a super flex league. So quarterbacks can have negative points, I think, uh, Kirk Cousins already had a negative point game uh, this year. My quarterbacks currently are Drew Brees, Jimmy Garoppolo, who's who has struggled badly. Uh, that was a, a call by my mine earlier in this year that has not come to fruition. Uh, I'm hoping he can turn it around, and he still has plenty of time. Uh, but he's struggling. I have Gardner Minshew, who I drafted late, who who is uh, I think quarterback 14, quarterback 10, 14, something like that. He's uh, he's up there. And then I also drafted Taysom Hill at the end of the Scott Fishbowl. Uh, as I mentioned earlier uh, in one of my podcasts about you can't predict injuries, but you can prepare for injuries. Uh, and I actually debated between Taysom Hill and Andy Dalton, um, you know, with Dak, the potential of Dak getting injured versus the potential of Drew Brees getting injured. Um, and I, I, I chose the route of Taysom Hill because Drew Brees got injured last year. Uh, you know, he's in his 40s. So I thought the injury chance for Breeze was a little higher than Dak. Uh, so I went with Taysom Hill. But that was a $92 fab mistake because I dropped Taysom Hill and added Dak Prescott. Or I'm sorry, I added Andy Dalton. Uh, and the reason I did is because I really wanted to be aggressive. I did not want to be passive and, and, and risk a chance of really not only putting my team over the top, but allowing my competition uh, to potentially knock me out. I mean, I, I could have faced, you know, someone that picked up Andy Dalton and it could have cost me a, a victory. Um, but I think that uh, Andy Dalton is going to be very, very good in Dallas. Uh, and what I can also tell you is I think that he is a buy in Dynasty. If you have somebody in Dynasty and you think you're a competitor, go ahead and put some feelers out and see what they want for Andy Dalton for this year. Um, because I think that he can not only fill in for Dak, but I think he might even be uh, just as productive as Dak. You know, there's some things about Andy Dalton that a lot of people don't know. Uh, You know, Andy, he was actually, well, he, he, he currently is one of only 10 quarterbacks in NFL history to throw for 3,000 plus yards in each of his first three NFL seasons. Uh, and he's only one of seven quarterbacks to have passed for at least 20 touchdowns in each of those seasons as well. Dak Prescott, you know, has those same stats. Uh, he's also, Andy's also the only quarterback to lead the Bengals franchise to four consecutive playoff bursts. And 
that's another reason why he was kind of booted out of Cincinnati because he couldn't win in the playoffs. Uh, and some can even say that, you know, he played a role in the Bengals losing. He had a lot of turnovers in the playoffs. Um, you know, so I think that wore the fans thin. I think they were ready to get rid of him and, and, and try something new. But Andy Dalton is a, a very good quarterback. He has the Bengals franchise franchise record uh, for passing yards in a season uh, around 4,300 and as well as touchdowns in a season with 33. Um he, he also, if you remember back in 17, uh, when the Bengals were facing the Ravens, uh, any any Buffalo Bills fan uh, will know this, that the Bengals had to knock off the Ravens for the Buffalo Bills to get uh, into the playoffs for their first time. And I don't even remember um, how long, but with 12 seconds left, Andy Dalton threw a 49 yard touchdown pass to Tyler Boyd. And the Bengals knocked off the Ravens uh, 31-27. And it enabled the Buffalo Bills to clinch a playoff spot. Uh, I think it it was something crazy, like their first playoff in like 20 years or something. Uh, And I remember that the Bills fans were donating money to Andy Dalton's charity. I mean, they were just so excited. Uh, They loved Andy Dalton. For all my Buffalo Bills fans out there, you know that feeling. and, and Andy Dalton is clutch. I mean, he came in with Dak's injury. He he drove the Cowboys down for two field goals to win. He hit Gallup with that deep pass. Uh, and, and that's kind of what we want to talk about as well. How does Andy Dalton's presence as the quarterback affect the Cowboys pass catchers? And I think it's going to affect them drastically different than currently right now. Oh, this martini is so good. So this is what you got to know. So Dak Prescott is a quarterback who likes to throw to receivers that he already sees are open. Okay. That's why he had such a good rapport with Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper is a terrific route runner, creates separation. When Dak sees that separation, he feeds Amari the ball. And this is why when Amari faces tough coverage, uh, Sometimes he doesn't perform well, and it's not because Amari is not performing well. It's because Dak does not allow him a chance to get open, and Dak will not throw him the football. Uh, Also why Michael Gallup has boom or bust weeks. When Gallup has an easy matchup on the outside and he can create separation, Dak throws him the ball when he sees him open. Uh, and he has those big games. But if if Gallup has a game against, you know, a cornerback that that uh, can remain close to him, uh, Dak has trouble throwing him the football. And another reason why CeeDee Lamb is having a terrific season. CeeDee Lamb has been playing the slot for the, the Cowboys. He's constantly open. Dak sees him open and delivers the football to him. If you notice a lot of CeeDee's uh, catches this year, most of the time, He's, he's wide open. Like, there's nobody around him. Or if there is, it's just a few yards. Um, I think I've seen one contested catch this season. Uh, maybe you've seen more. But but most of the plays that I've seen CeeDee Lamb catch, he's been pretty wide open. Now, the complete opposite is Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton throws the ball where it's supposed to be and expects his receivers to get the ball. He did it a lot with A.J. Green. He did it a lot with Tyler Boyd. And as you saw, he went to Michael Gallup twice when he came in. 
Dak Prescott would have never thrown those passes because Michael Gallup was covered. But Andy Dalton put the ball where it needed to be, and he trusted that Michael Gallup was going to come down with the catch, and he did. Andy Dalton's going to come in. He's going to be very, very efficient. I think he's going to get all three receivers involved. Uh, he's going to run a little bit. Um, I think there's a sneaky stat where he had X amount of rushing touchdowns uh, in a season, so he does have a sneaky rushing upside. Uh, but I don't think I don't think he's going to push that. I mean, him being a little older now, I think he's going to rely on on Zeke. Uh, I think they're going to try to establish the run a little more, but. I think Dalton's going to get all three receivers involved. Another thing that you don't know about Andy Dalton is in his career, he's finished in the top 10 of fantasy wide receivers four times, or fantasy quarterbacks four times, and he finished as the in the top three, I think number three overall fantasy quarterback in 2013. Andy Dalton has done it. I think Andy Dalton will continue to do it. We'll see how... This affects CeeDee Lamb's stock. I know a lot of people are on CeeDee Lamb as the dynasty wide receiver one. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see uh, if Andy Dalton continues to feed uh, CeeDee Lamb in the slot uh, or if he chooses to go to Mari Cooper or Michael Gallup. Um, I believe that he's going to you know, utilize all three receivers, which is something that Dak didn't really do um, except for certain matchups. So he plays the Arizona Cardinals this week. So... I picked him up, like I said, in Scott Fishbowl. Uh, Drew Brees happens to be on a bye. Jimmy Garoppolo is coming back from that ankle injury. Um, so this week I happen to be starting uh, Andy Dalton and Gardner Minshew. So it just happened to be the, the right week that I needed to add a quarterback. And uh, every win counts in Scott Fishbowl. Week 13 is our bye, and I'm going to have Ronald Jones and Robbie Anderson on bye. So I need to stack up my points um, so that I can, you know, have a chance to win that week 13 matchup uh, if I am lucky enough to make it there. I'm four and one right now. I'm looking for win number five this week. Uh, and, and I got Andy Dalton as a starting quarterback. Uh, the next thing I want to talk about is Chase Claypool. Uh, Chase Claypool kind of came out of nowhere this past week, uh, put up seven receptions, 110 yards and three touchdowns on the ground. He had three carries, six yards and a touchdown. Looked like a beast of a man out there on the field. Uh, and a few things kind of contributed to that. Uh, he was playing the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, Deontay Johnson went down again. Uh, I don't think the Eagles had game plan for Chase Claypool. There was instances where he was being covered by a linebacker. Uh, a rookie defensive back his first game. Um, and Chase Claypool just torched him. I mean, his combination of size, speed, athleticism you know there's very few that can that that can hang with that especially uh if you if you put them on a mismatch from the get-go so i'll talk to you about how i graded chase claypool as a rookie um if you go to my website uh rotolounge.com i have my my rookie rankings my dynasty rankings these have not changed since pre-draft rankings and i had a lot of receivers above Clay's Chase Pool or Chase Claypool. So I had Jerry or I had Je Justin Jefferson as wide receiver one. I had Jerry Judy as wide receiver two. CeeDee Lamb as wide receiver three. Jalen Rager as wide receiver four. 
and, and the reason that I had Jalen Rager the wide receiver four is uh, initially I had him a little lower, uh, but I have to make adjustments based on draft capital uh, and the fact that Jalen Rager was drafted in the first round um, over Chenault, who I really liked, LaVisca uh, pre-draft. Um, you know, I had to raise uh, Rager because of that first round draft capital. But if I had to do it again, if I had to do it again, I would bump CeeDee Lamb over Jerry Judy. I would still keep Justin Jefferson number one. I would put Lamb at number two. I'd put Judy at three because I think Judy is going to be a stud. Uh, and then I would probably bump LaVisca over Rager and put LaVisca at four. Uh, and I know Rager's injured, so it's hard to judge him now. But I think I've seen enough from Chenault to know that he is who I thought he was. And even if Rager comes back healthy and, and balls out, I don't think that he's going to be that much better than Chenault. And I could be wrong, but um, I would have Rager at number five. Uh, below them, next I had Henry Ruggs ranked and then Brian Edwards, which I'm really high on Brian Edwards. I think long-term he's going to be pretty good as long as he can stay healthy. Uh, then I had Michael Pittman Jr., who I, I wasn't very high on Pittman Jr. Uh, I, I think that his draft capital as well as his production metrics and um, you know his combine performance had me there. But I think after seeing him play, I, I think that he's probably um, – even less of a prospect than I thought he was. So I would move him way down. Uh, behind him was Higgins. I would raise Higgins above him. And then Brandon Ayuk. And then KJ Hamler. And then Tyler Johnson. And then Denzel Mims. And then Devin DuVernay. And then Van Jefferson. And then Chase Claypool. As the 16th wide receiver in my ranking, Chase Claypool and someone is listening and saying, what the hell are you talking about, you flipping idiot? This is why you drink so much, because you can't predict fantasy performances. And let me tell you something. I went to the NFL Combine Live, and I got to see Chase Claypool. And I will tell you that he's an absolute athletic monster. Uh, but when I saw him on the field... He really did not look very coordinated. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was the time, whether it was 9 o'clock at night, 10 o'clock at night, and he just wasn't awake. But he was dropping a lot of passes. He wasn't getting his head around quick enough uh, to get the ball from the quarterbacks. Uh, and, and a lot of this was going on during commercial breaks because they still run the drills during commercial breaks. Um, and Chase Claypool just looked very, very mediocre out there. Uh, and, and, you know, his college production was so-so. Um, so I didn't think that he was going to be a, a very good NFL wide receiver. And again, after one game, I'm not going to necessarily change my stance. Uh, but I am going to move him from 16 up to 10. I'm going to drop Pittman Jr. down. I'd move Higgins up. I would put Chase Claypool between Higgins and Brandon Ayuk. Um, just because of that potential. Now, even if Chase Claypool isn't, you know, the technically sound wide receiver, if that's how I want to word it, uh, if the coaches are going to find a way to get him the football, he's going to score fantasy points. And that's what we want. And if you look at Chase Claypool's snap share, week four, this past, uh, two weeks ago, week four, uh, before the Tennessee game was postponed, he had 61 offensive snaps, 
which was a 76% offensive snap share. That was the most of any offensive skill player on the Steelers. All right. That is something that we have to pay attention to. So if you look at his snap share from week one on, he had four snaps week one. That increased to 19. That increased to 24. Then it increased to 61. And I know Deontay Johnson was knocked out because of a concussion. That brought Chase Claypool in. The following week, uh, the, the game was postponed against the Titans. And then this past week against Philly, he had 52 offensive snaps. Again, he went for 7 for 110 and 3. Um, but Deontay Johnson was injured again. So is there a pattern here where Chase Claypool is going to come in for Deontay Johnson? Are they going to move James Washington out? Do they think Deontay Johnson is a better fit for the offense? How are they going to use this offense now with Juju and Chase and James Washington and Deontay Johnson? I don't know, but I'll tell you this. I was down on DK Metcalf the same way that I'm down on Chase Claypool. I know that he's an athletic freak. He looked bad at the combine. Shaky hands. Again, we've seen we've seen DK shaky hands. Um, if if you watch the game, uh, this past game uh, <clears throat> where Russell Wilson threw that deep ball to him at the sidelines, he caught the he jumped and caught the ball like he was catching an onside kick, like he cradled into his chest, which a player like that size should have been able to jump up, catch it with his hands watch the defenders around him fall down and he should have simply just ran jogged into the end zone um so chase i believe chase claypool and i believe dk metcalf have uh they don't have the confidence in their hands um but they're finding ways to score dk metcalf is an absolute beast this year um, and i have zero shares of him i avoided him everywhere i thought that he was all athletic and no football um, but the best thing, and, and I'm on record saying the best thing that could have happened to him is him going to Russell Wilson, who's probably the best deep ball thrower in the NFL, uh, and it's going to put him in position to be successful. And, and now some are claiming that DK is the dynasty wide receiver one, uh, but I'd say please pump the brakes on that. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm definitely on board with DK Metcalf, but but not the wide receiver number one. Um, you know, it's funny because in college he didn't play a lot because of injuries and he hasn't dealt with any injuries in the NFL and which is a good thing. And there's a chance that he may never deal with those injuries, but I just believe it's the, the perfect scenario has happened. But again, I said that if he does it for two years in a row, I'm going to be a believer. And so far five weeks in, he is looking like an absolute beast. So this is what I would tell you about Chase Claypool. I would go after Chase Claypool and dynasty. But I'd be careful right now if you try to go after him after a four-touchdown game. Uh, his owners are going to be trying to sell high, uh, and you're probably going to overpay for him. Um, so what I would do is I would let him have, you know, a stinker of a game or two, you know, stinkers of games, uh, and then go out after, you know, that, that four-touchdown game isn't on the memories of your league mates. And then I would go after him, and I would try to target him. But uh, – is he going to be the next DK Metcalf? I don't know, um, but I, I'm not going to make the same mistake and sleep on him. Uh, like I said, I'm moving him from wide receiver 16 up to wide receiver 10, uh, and he could move up higher than that. But um, he's got all the athletic measurables, fast, can jump out the gym, 
strong, um, very athletic. So if they find ways to get him the football, he's going to score touchdowns, and that's what we want in our fantasy teams. Uh, one thing that I want to do, I want to have a special segment, a few special segments. Um, one of them is going to be uh, like classes in session, uh, a buy low target that what I want you to do is I want you to go out and I want you to try to target a player each week to your league mates. I want you to DM me, uh, you know, what team has that player and, and let's work together and figure out if we can work out the perfect trade uh, to get this player and just have some fun with it. Uh, so I'm going to tell you that last week, if you were listening, we talked about Preston Williams. He was the buy low candidate last year. He then broke out for four, I think 103 and a touchdown. And again, if we don't think it's the long-term answer, uh, you know, then I'll come on the podcast and I'll say, all right, let's try to flip him. Let's try to get more than what we just invested in him. Like, you know, like the stock market. If we give up a, you know, a third round pick for, for Preston Williams two weeks ago or a week ago, he blows up like this, and then we flip him for a second. That's how you get better in fantasy football. Uh, you can't fall in love with players. You need to fall in love with winning championships. And that means do not have bias for any players um, or else it's going to affect the way you manage your fantasy football roster. So this week, uh, my buy low is Irv Smith for the Minnesota Vikings. Uh Hyped him a lot last year. He was the third-ranked <clears throat> tight end in my rookie rankings behind Noah Fant uh, and TJ Hawkinson. He's still such a baby uh, by NFL standards. He's only 22 years old. He just turned 22 at the beginning of the season. Um, but he's already one of the best run blockers in the NFL. And when you when you listen to me talk about tight ends, the one thing that we want about tight ends, the way that you identify a potential tight end breakout is his snap share. How often is he on the football field? Because if you can get tight ends that are on the football field for the majority of the game, they're going to be in, in position to score a lot of fantasy points because coaches are going to be at a scheme plays for them that defensive coordinators aren't going to account for because they're always on the field. So it doesn't matter what type of formation you're in. If Irv Smith is on the field at all times, you're not going to know if it's a run play or if it's a pass play. Opposite of players like Mike Gusecki um, and Evan Ingram, when they come on and they split out wide as a slot receiver, they're going to put a cornerback on him and they're going to cover him. But when you have a tight end tight and you don't know if he's going to block, you don't know if he's going to run a route, offensive coordinators can create mismatches. This is why you look at George Kittle, you look at Travis Kelsey, you look at Zach Ertz. When they're on the field like 80% of the time, 90% of the time they're on the field and they can be disguised and be you know, perfect mismatch opportunities. So if you look at Irv Smith's snaps from the beginning of the season until now, week one, he had 31 snaps. Week two, he had 35 snaps. Week three, he had 36 snaps. Then he had 41 snaps. And then this last game, he had 59 snaps. Okay, Every week, his snaps are going up. This past week, he caught four 
balls for 64 yards. And again, it's not that great, right? He's not somebody right now that you're going to start. But you want to get him now at his lowest possible cost because when he does break out, you won't have to spend the money for him. All right? Um, Kyle Rudolph signed the big contract. He restructured last year for four years, I think $36 million. He's 30, 31 years old, okay? This year, he had a $12 million cap hit if they cut him. Next year, that drops all the way to $4 million. So if the Vikings decide to cut him at $4 million is what their cap hit will be. If they keep him, they're going to have to pay him, I think it's 9 or $10 million to keep him. And I think he's going to be 31 or 32. Now, in 2022, that cap hit drops to $2 million. All right? So in two years, Irv Smith will be 24 years old. So most likely, if Kyle Rudolph is not out of there next year, 2022, I can't imagine that they're going to they're gonna pay him $10 million when they're going to have a 24-year-old Irv Smith who's been in the offense for three seasons, and it's going to cost them $2 million to cut him. Right now is the time to buy Irv Smith. Uh, you know, he could have a couple good games, and then his, his, his value is probably going to go up and down, up and down, up and down. But... If I were you, I would go ahead and try to target him now. And what I want you to do is I want you to go in your league. I want you to find out who's got Irv Smith. Send out some feelers. What's it going to take to get Irv Smith? See if they'll take a you know a third-round draft pick for him. Uh, just send some feelers out. Screenshot it. Send me some DMs. Let me see how many people uh, are going after Irv Smith and, and how I can help you acquire him. And you can find me on Twitter. This Twitter account to the podcast is at Dynasty Buzz. You can also find me at Twitter uh, at Roto Lounge. Uh, and send me those DMs and let's see if we can um, help you get Irv Smith. Another segment that I want to do uh, is, you know, what's your contribution to Dynasty? I'd love to have a way of where any of the listeners can record a voice message, give me a hot dynasty take, a bold dynasty take, something that we need to be aware of, uh, and leave your Twitter handle, and I'll, I'll edit it into the podcast, uh, and, and then you'll give us a reason to follow you on Twitter, whether it's a hot take about a rookie, a veteran, uh, a prediction, how it's going to help our dynasty teams, and if you hit that on the head, man, we're going to follow you on Twitter. We're going to hype you up. We're going to give you the credit that you deserve. It's another way to have fun, to interact with uh, you you listeners as well as me. Uh, and let's just have a good time um, with this Dynasty thing. Um, so now let's talk. Let's talk about Clyde Edwards-Alaire. All right. Let me have a drink. So I've been having a lot of fun on Twitter, if you're following me. And I know that there's going to be a lot of people on Twitter that that mute me, that block me. And that's fine. I mean, I, I like having a good time. And again, just look at my track record, okay? Last year, uh, my biggest... Uh, I had a lot of 
tweets where I was getting, you know, attacked because of what I was saying. Uh, I was saying how we should sell Chris Godwin high when he was the wide receiver too. I was told that I was an idiot, that Chris Godwin's elite. And I know he's been hurt, um, but that doesn't mean we can't sell high. Uh, but but the worst attack I had was when I said Devin Singletary uh, wasn't long for the NFL uh, because he lacked the elite speed. Went back and forth uh, a, a long time there. Um, they drafted Zach Moss. So I believe that one's coming to fruition. Um, you know, so check 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 my my track record. I'm not always right, um, but my hot takes are not always wrong either. Um, now, two days ago, I put a tweet out. A lot of people, there's a lot of tweets circulating that were talking about, you know, the touchdowns are going to come for Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Uh, you know, he's he's got the second most opportunity uh, in the league behind Zeke Elliott. Um, but if you look at the numbers, Zeke Elliott is is running back four and Clyde Edwards is running back 14. So he's getting the opportunities, but he's not doing anything with these opportunities. OK, the best case scenario for Clyde Edwards Alaire was landing on the Chiefs. And it's the reason that everybody wanted Clyde Edwards Alaire. But if you're just a product of your offense and you can't do anything extraordinary with that opportunity, then perhaps you're not as valuable as everybody thinks. So, again, I'm not trying to piss anybody off with this. I'm just going to tell you the facts. I'm going to give you the facts uh, mixed in with some opinions. You can take it however you want to take it. Um, but but that's why I do this. Uh you know, I just want to try to educate anyone that that, you know, respects my opinions and trusts my opinions. But I, I made a comment on Twitter. So I, I went back and I looked at Clyde Edwards. Well, first, let's talk about rookie rankings. So in my model, I have a model. I, I'm not going to explain it here, but you can scroll back to some of my rookie podcasts and I talk about my model. But anyways, the model um ranked Clyde Edwards-Hilaire as the fifth best back in his class, okay? He has some weaknesses. I believe his ceiling was top 24. I want to say top 24, um, maybe even top 12. I, I'll have to look at it again. Um, but he wasn't a for sure slam dunk pick. And this was pre-draft, right? This is before any team um, drafts these players, so, I believe my ranking was Jonathan Taylor, Cam Akers, DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins, and Clyde Edwards. I believe that's what it was. When Clyde Edwards was the first running back taken off the board, you have to take notice of that, right? First round draft capital is very important. Teams are invested in these players. Most times, they're going to give these players every opportunity they can to succeed. Um, so, And they have that extra year that they can have them for five years. So... I bumped Clyde Edwards above J.K. Dobbins and DeAndre Swift only because I wasn't completely sold on Swift and I'm not completely sold on J.K. Dobbins. They could be very good backs. I just wasn't 100% sold. I'm 100% sold on Jonathan Taylor and Cam Akers, uh, and I prefer to have them on my dynasty teams. Um, 
So I bumped Clyde Edwards up to, to running back three. And it's really only because of the draft capital. I happened to get Clyde Edwards in one league uh, because it was the best value pick. I think I picked one, two. Jonathan Taylor went first. So I went with Clyde Edwards Alaire. I mean, it was the best value pick. So I have one share of Clyde Edwards Alaire. I have majority uh no, I no, actually, no. That that's that's incorrect. Um I was not taking Clyde Edwards over Cam Akers. Uh so it must have been the one three. Um and somehow I, I got Clyde Edwards. I don't remember. But I know I have Clyde Edwards in one league, uh, but I mostly have Jonathan Taylor and Cam Akers. And so after all these tweets about Clyde Edwards is going to score his touchdowns, I decided to go back and I decided to look at his stats at LSU. Uh, he played at LSU in 2018 and 2019. Once I had my results from what I found, I tweeted two days ago, uh, and I quote, most expect the touchdowns to come for CEH, and in some capacity they will. But those expecting easy goal-line touchdowns may be in for a disappointment. I dove into his final two years at LSU, and they used multiple goal-line backs. Perhaps they identified a flaw in his game, and I put more details on the Dynasty Buzz podcast. Now, this was two days ago. Then a day ago, Le'Veon Bell gets released, right? So I put up another tweet. I said, here we go, all right? Le'Veon Bell is going to sign with Kansas City. I've identified, looking at his, and we'll go over this in a minute, looking at his LSU stats, to me, there's a major flaw in his game. We saw week one how he has been stuffed at the goal line multiple times, and it's a clear weakness. He's a very small back against big NFL defense alignments. The only way that he's really good at the goal line is if the offense spreads out the wide receivers uh, and, and lets gives him some space. So Le'Veon Bell was released, and I said, all right, I, I just assume Le'Veon Bell is going to go to Kansas City. Kansas City knows that they need a goal line back. Clyde Edwards-Alaire is not the back for the goal line. And then today, Le'Veon Bell signs with the Chiefs. I mean, it, it doesn't get much easier than this. It doesn't get much easier than this, right? If only it happened a little later, because what I was hoping for, DeAndre Washington was promoted uh, from the practice squad to the to the uh, to the 53-man roster, and I really thought that he was going to start to get some opportunities. So I was going to come on the podcast tonight and tell you to go add DeAndre Washington because I thought he was going to start getting goal line carries. And then the Chiefs went out and they signed Le'Veon Bell. And I think it's a huge blow to Clyde Edwards-Alaire's dynasty outlook. All right. So let's look at first, let's look at his 2018. All right. In 2018, Clyde Edwards Alaire scored seven touchdowns. All right. Nick Brissett, if you ever heard of Nick Brissett, he scored 14 touchdowns that season. Now, what I want to do is I want to look at once LSU Tigers got inside the five yard line, how often did Clyde Edwards Alaire rush? For a touchdown within five yards. Not a catch, but a rush. 
All right, so Clyde Edwards scored four times within the five-yard line of his seven. He had a one-yard rush, a one-yard rush, a three-yard rush, and a three-yard rush. Okay, that's not too bad. Nick Brissett had 12 touchdowns, five yards or less. A one-yarder, a one-yarder, a one-yarder, a two-yarder, four, four, one, four, one, two, two, three. Nick Brissett had 14 touchdowns that year, 12 of which were inside the five-yard line. Joe Burrow had three rushing touchdowns that year, all within one yard. And a guy by the name of Leonard Fournette, not Leonard Fournette, Leonard Fournette, his brother, had one goal line carry, three yards, and he scored. Now, is that a smoking gun? Does that mean Clyde Edwards-Lair can't be a goal line back? No, it doesn't. But when I look at the 2019 stats, this is what worries me. So, Joe Brady takes over in 2019. Easily identifies CEH is the back for him. Clyde Edwards breaks out. Clyde Edwards is great between the 20s. I am not going to deny that. He's elusive. He's quick. He has burst. He's not fast. He's small. So he can he can um, easily hide behind his offensive linemen, defenders, make people miss. But it get, when it gets down to the goal line and things start to tighten up a little bit, his small frame doesn't allow him to overpower anybody. So in 2019, Clyde Edwards-Alaire had 16 touchdowns, 16 rushing touchdowns. Only four, only four of those touchdowns were five yards or less. He had a one-yarder a four-yarder, a three-yarder, and a one-yarder, okay? Leonard Fournette had a two-yard goal line carry. John Emery Jr. had a goal line touchdown. Tyreon Davis-Prince had five Goal line touchdowns. A one-yarder, a two-yarder, a four-yarder, a two-yarder, and a four-yarder. Joe Burrow had five rushing touchdowns, three of which came within five yards of the goal line. A three-yarder, a one-yarder, and a one-yarder. Now, some can say, well, Brad, that doesn't mean anything. They just like to spread the ball around. And you can look at it that way. You can absolutely look at it that way. But what I see is an opportunity for LSU to get bigger backs in the game that can overpower defenders. If that's not enough evidence, I said, okay, well, if they weren't scoring rushing the ball, how many times did they pass the ball when they got down to the goal line? So let's just say they knew that Clyde Edwards couldn't score from, from close, but he was in the game. How often did they pass the ball? So I looked at passing touchdowns, 10 yards or less. Okay, once they got inside the 10-yard line, how many touchdown passes did they have? The answer 
is 20. 20 touchdown passes inside the 10-yard line. And, and look at these numbers. A two-yard touchdown pass, a two-yard touchdown pass, a three-yard touchdown pass, a one-yard touchdown pass. Okay? Joe Burrow threw 60 touchdowns in 2019. 20 of those touchdowns were inside of the 10-yard line. 20 of his 60 touchdowns were inside the 10-yard line. What that tells me is that Joe Brady felt they were more efficient passing the ball at the goal line than giving it to Clyde Edwards-Alaire. This is my take. This is what I got from the information that I found out. Look at what the Chiefs have done this year. The Chiefs have had nine rushes inside the five-yard line this year. Nine carries inside the five-yard line. Clyde Edwards has had seven of those nine carries, has zero touchdowns. Patrick Mahomes has two of those nine carries and has scored on both carries. My conclusion to this is that Clyde Edwards-Alaire has a major flaw. And the reason for that is that the defense alignment are much bigger. They can overpower him. If he gets caught by a defense alignment, he's not going anywhere. Okay, It's a little different in, the, in college. They're not as good of athletes. But in the NFL, they're exceptional athletes. I also believe that the Chiefs added Le'Veon Bell because they need a running back that can get in the end zone once they get down inside the 10-yard line. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I think that Le'Veon Bell is going to show us what the Chiefs think of uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And maybe I'm overreacting a little bit. But in my process, my model said that Clyde Edwards-Alaire was the fifth best prospect in this class. He went to Kansas City. His stock was elevated because of that offense. But he's had all the opportunity, and he hasn't done anything with it. So much so that the Chiefs felt like after five games, they're going to bring in a, an elite three-down back. Maybe he's not elite anymore. But he's proven that he's a three-down back. He was elite when he left Pittsburgh. Adam Gase turned him into nothing. We'll see what Andy Reid does with him. And if I was in a dynasty league or I'm giving you advice and you said, Brad, would you go out and would you buy Clyde Edwards-Alaire right now? This is what I'd say. been the Roto Lounge Dynasty Buzz.